Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Under the Dome podcast. I'm back. I'm solo today. Nathan and Mason are not with me. I didn't kick them off the podcast. They're still going to be on, but I just wanted to put together a quick little podcast. Maybe it'll be quick. Maybe I'll ramble for 45 minutes. I don't really know, but Notre Dame football's right around the corner as the Irish head to Culver Academy for their first official practice of what um, you know they call fall camp that really occurs in the summer months, and they're going to start practice on Sunday, and Brian Kelly just took the podium about a little over an hour ago as I record this, and I've already written a little bit of a piece um, over at Slap the Sign about kind of my major takeaways about that, but I wanted to get on behind the microphone and, you know, give a little bit of an elaboration on some of the things that I'm happy about and things that I'm apprehensive about as far as what Brian Kelly had to say today. So all that out of the way, I want to make sure that um, I do all of the proper stuff that I have to do with this podcast. First of all, I'm very thankful to one of our sponsors, Electrosound, who, if you're watching this video on YouTube right now, you can see that this microphone is sitting in front of me. That is a donation from Electrosounds. They've hooked me up with some cables and some audio equipment to help make this podcast great. If you're looking for sound equipment, if you're looking for consulting, if you're looking for someone to come and set up some sound stuff for you for an outdoor festival or carnival or whatever it is, electrosound.com is where you can go to get a hold of them. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I, the word sound.com. So make sure you head on over there and get a hold of them. They're great. Also, if you are looking to go to any sporting events in what's left of your summer, SeatGeek is a ticket search engine that loses, that never loses, I'm sorry, um, sight of the fan experience. Go to their website, type in the name of the team that you want, choose the date, all of that good stuff, and what will happen is, what will pop up is a map of the stadium, it will rank the good seats in green, the bad seats in red, based off of their algorithms and, the, and that type of thing, price, availability, all of that stuff. And if you apply the coupon code the Loop Sports at checkout, they will take $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. So that's obviously very significant. So if you're going out to check out any type of sporting event, the Loop Sports, all one word, Apply that code, $20 off your first purchase. And then finally, we've partnered with a company called 26 Shirts. They make vintage sports t-shirts at 26shirts.com. A portion of the proceeds of all of these shirts goes to help a person in need of serious financial assistance. They retire the shirts after a while and they roll other ones out you know, basically weekly. So you could find yourself with a kind of a vintage shirt that no one else has. And when you buy it, you are supporting a good cause as well. So 26shirts.com for that as well. So all that out of the way, uh, like I say, I wanted to talk about Brian Kelly's press conference, and I'm not going to sit here and go through the entirety of the press conference. I mean, you can go on YouTube, ND Football, and, and watch the uh, replay of that press conference. You can go to Slap the Science t- Twitter account, and, um, you know, I tweeted some of the major good quotes. So if you want to do that, go and, uh, you know, check out the Twitter accounts and just kind of scroll through those. And Brian Kelly said some interesting things. Um, There are a couple of major takeaways that I wanted to mention. And then I'm going to kind of circle back to something that I talked about a couple of weeks ago um, that I wrote about a couple of weeks ago, but haven't 
really had the opportunity to talk about behind the microphone, although I intended to, and it kind of just kind of got away from me there um, for a while. So starting with the the press conference, um, I, I think the biggest thing that I took away from the press conference was Brian Kelly's continued emphasis of the leadership in the locker room. And I'm talking about internal leadership from players such as, you know, Ian Book and the other veterans on the team. Um, he mentioned Ian Book specifically, just basically talked about um, all of the, and by the way, I don't think Brian Kelly said the word traits at all during this press conference. And I know that some people on Twitter were making a joke that, uh, you know, over under how many times he says traits. Um, I can't say that he didn't for sure, but I, let's just say off the top of my head, I don't think he. I don't think he said it. It was definitely under ten. It was definitely under five. He might have said it a time or two, but anyway, I'm going to use the word traits. And when he talks about Ian Book, he talks about the traits that you. I almost feel stupid saying traits. I'm sorry, but the traits that you want from your starting quarterback. He he basically talked about when Ian Book asked somebody to do something, they do it. Um, he talked about. The fact that he just has a different command, a different swagger in the locker room, and that's great to hear from a guy that's really, I mean, the first, this is the first time he's entered camp as a starter, and so, you know, going, going into his senior year um, academically, maybe his last year in South Bend, you love to hear that Ian Book has really kind of um, relished in that role. They've put a lot on his shoulders. It seems like he's excelled in that. He's done the. He's said the right things. It sounds like in the locker room. He's uh, obviously led by example by going to the Manning Passing Academy, and you know Brian Kelly talked about that and how you know what he hopes that does for Ian Book more than anything else is get him some exposure and also just kind of encourage him that he's a pretty darn good football player. Not that Ian Book needs. A lot of reassurance, I don't think. I don't think he's that type of guy, but it never really hurts to have kind of your thoughts about yourself, your confidence validated and that type of thing. So that was really um, a major thing. And he didn't just talk about Ian Book, He didn't, he, but Ian Book was really, I guess, the only one he mentioned by name. He talked about the accountability over the summer in the weight room. Um, with Coach Bayless and that type of thing, and he just said that the overall accountability has been great. In the spring, he had mentioned that you know they probably would only have a handful of captains, a small handful of captains, and he went as far in this press conference to say, I stand corrected, there's probably going to be more than a few captains that are going to, uh, captains on this Notre Dame football team. He did mention that you know after they are done at Culver Academy for the first leg of their camp and they return to South Bend for the rest of camp. He said that's when probably the captains will be addressed and announced and he wanted to get some, you know, some of the players' input on that as well. So we're probably looking at about a week or so before captains are announced. I would think Ian Book would be, you know, obviously a front runner and then there's a whole host of guys that you could kind of think of, you know, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, um, guys along the uh, offensive line. Tommy Kramer's been around. You, you get the picture. Um, defensively, Julian Okwara, Khalid Kareem, those guys probably looking at some um, captainship. Alohi Gilman, I think, is obvious, is a major front runner. I'd put him in book at one and two. Jalen Elliott's been around. Troy Pride's been around. So you get the point. There's a lot of guys that uh, have been around, veteran guys that, you know, from all accounts, the leadership has been stellar this summer. And so 
that's going to we'll, we'll see how stellar it's been and who's been in charge of the stellar leadership i suppose when captains are announced in probably about a week i'm sitting here recording this on august 2nd so um more on that to come um another big thing that um you know that i think a lot of people have been worried about that was addressed was phil Dracovic, who did not look good in the spring game and um Brian Kelly went pretty far to, I mean, he was asked specifically about Dracovic and how he felt. Dracovic is the number two guy. There's no doubt about that. And he basically just said that um, he thinks that Phil's feeling more confident with his throwing motion, his footwork, and those types of things. And basically, he was asked, you know, a lot has been made of the way that the ball kind of fluttered off of Phil Dracovic's hand and how it just didn't look good coming out of his hand when he was passing in the spring game. Brian Kelly basically said... You know, at Notre Dame, we don't really mess with the throwing motion. We we try to get players to get comfortable with their footwork. We try to get players to feel confident in what they're doing. And then, you know, we just want to let them be who they are. And that's what they're doing with Phil Dracovic. Um, He did admit that he thinks that, you know, like any quarterback might do, that Phil was kind of messing with his motion on his own. Regardless, he thinks that Phil, you know, based off of what he's done over the summer and all of that stuff that Phil is feeling a lot more confident and that he's really looking forward to watching Phil play during this fall camp. And he thinks that it's going to be a time where, you know, people are Phil's going to raise some eyebrows and really kind of start to take that next step, which is good because a major concern, you know, in the social media world and in the press has been, well, what the heck happens if Ian book gets hurt because Phil Dracovic did not look good. And, I mean, where, where are you going to go after that? So, we'll see with Phil Dracovic, but, I mean, it seemed pretty genuine when Brian Kelly said he, he feels really good about where Phil Dracovic is ahead of fall camp. Um, another major thing that Brian Kelly addressed was the health of his team. It seems like most of the uh, most of the major players are healthy. He mentioned Jamie on Franklin, who suffered, you know, the quadriceps injury week four of last year, which is obviously a major injury. He's full go. Aaron Banks, um, who's kind of, I guess you could say, penciled in to start at left guard, is good to go after having off-season foot surgery and doesn't anticipate any lingering effects um, from that. He said it went about as good as you possibly could, as it possibly could go. So Aaron Banks is good to go. Chase Claypool is a little bit hampered still. Um, he had off-season ankles in ankle surgery and uh, got that fixed up and thinks that he will be ready to go by, you know, full go by the first week of practice. Um, basically is, is decent, good to go now, but they haven't really tested him with, uh, as Brian Kelly put it, you know, explosive cuts. But Chase Claypool is a guy who's going to have to be healthy for Notre Dame to do well, I think. And I think Brian Kelly knows that as well. Um, if you're not familiar, Chase Claypool, 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver, coming into his you know final year at Notre Dame, probably looking to step into the, the same type of shoes that Miles Boykin stepped into uh, a year ago. Um, so Claypool, mostly healthy and quickly on the mend. And other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about injuries and that type of thing. It sounds like the Irish are entering fall camp fairly healthy, 
for the most part. And the last thing personnel wise before I get to like my major topic of conversation for today is that uh you know Kevin Austin talented wide receiver um true freshman a year ago entering his sophomore year was you know Brian Kelly was asked about his status and it didn't really sound good because there's been rumblings that he's been suspended where has he been what's he been doing um and Brian Kelly said he's still on the team and it's a day-by-day situation after that. So whether or not we see Kevin Austin in the uh, opener or any time in the first three, four games is really kind of up in the air. We'll sort of see. My take on it is generally when Brian Kelly or anyone at Notre Dame makes a comment like that, um, it has something to do with academics. Although, I mean, I'm just speculating. This is this is. Comp- I, I have no inside information on this, but um, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem as if Brian Kelly's real infuriated by whatever went on, but it also seems like he's kind of like putting on that uh, that disappointed dad type uh, hat when he talks about guys like Kevin Austin. So, all right. This is really what I wanted to talk about, and um, full disclosure. And actually, before I do this, I want to I want to make another plug. Um, I'll mention this again at the end of the podcast. I meant, wanted to mention it at the beginning, but one thing that we're going to do and continue to do with the Under the Dome podcast that we've done in the past is utilize the voicemail feature. So, if you're a new listener here, or even if you are an old listener here and you have forgotten, we have a voicemail line that we will use. You can call 812-624-5276. If you call that number, you will, you should go straight to a voicemail that you will hear my voice. I encourage you to tell me what your name is, where you're from, that type of thing, and then talk about anything that you want to talk about. Ask a question, give an observation that I will react to on the podcast. And the next time that I record a podcast, whether it's solo, whether it's with Nathan and Mason, or one or both of those guys, I will react and play that exact voicemail on the podcast. I'll take the audio file and and put it on here. And um, you know, you can have yourself heard on the Under the Dome podcast. Another thing that I guess I've realized that I can do is if voicemail isn't really your thing, you can text that number too. Again, that's 812-624-5276. If you text that number, give me your thoughts. I'll read it on the podcast and react to it just the same way. So completely up to you. And we can also turn that into a live number. So whenever we do live shows, if um, we're going to do call-in type stuff, that's the same number for that. But for this time, you know, that's the voicemail number. One last time before the end of the show, 812-624-5276. While I'm thinking about it, if you are new here, we are all across the web. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Make sure that you're clicking like and subscribe to this YouTube show to our YouTube channel. I had a little bit of a brain fart there, but we're also everywhere else as well. Um, We are on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all of that good stuff. So make sure that you are liking, subscribing, writing reviews, doing all that stuff for us because, you know, it's that helps us continue to, uh, to push the podcast forward. Okay, so now that I've got that little reset out of the way, this is, like I say, this is one thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, I wanted to talk about it a couple weeks ago whenever I wrote about it, to be honest with you, and that is the criticism that, that Brian Kelly 
gets as the Notre Dame football coach and how some of you got to lay off, to be honest with you. I mean, having high expectations is good. Um, expecting a lot out of this Notre Dame football team is good. Being upset when Notre Dame does not reach those expectations is all is fair. And but I I don't even really want to say this behind the microphone to give credence to something that I wholeheartedly disagree with. But you know, I wrote this article about how uh, you know Brian Kelly deserves a little bit more slack from some of you. A couple days later. I don't know that it was a reactionary piece or if it was just something, um, I don't know. I don't know if it was a reactionary piece or if it was something just kind of random that this person was thinking about, but basically a, uh, a person whose name I don't remember and don't really care to remember said that Notre Dame fans should hope for as bad of an Owen 12 season so that Brian Kelly gets canned and we can move on and, and do that. And I, I was mad, you know, and you know, there is the school of thought that if you give, attention to those type of people that's exactly what they want blah 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 but like i was just mad enough that i tweeted all about it and called out the writer and all that stuff um if you want to see my piece by the way check out my twitter i'm at real b belden so real the letter b is in ben and then b e l d e n check that out on twitter i just reposted it um so that those of you who hopefully listen to this podcast can find that pretty easily it's on slapthesign.com you'd have to scroll back a little bit to find it on on the website but anyway uh check that out on twitter and um you know let me know what you think but basically i'm going to elaborate on on what i was talking about so basically in this article you know it's easy for someone like me to say that and basically say well listen i mean Four and eight happened, but since then, you know, we've had back-to-back 10-win seasons for the first time since the Holtz era. And that's all completely true, believe me. Um, I mean, that's that's an argument, that's part of an argument that I would make. However, I think that there's more to it than that, that, you know, Notre Dame fans, that if you really kind of sit and think about Brian Kelly as the coach of your Notre Dame football team, you know, um, there's just more to it than he's had two good seasons in a row. And... Um, and that's kind of what I've started to explore in this article and what I'm sort of kind of, you know, elaborating on as I talk right now. Sorry, I had a little hiccup there, but so I don't know. I, okay. So full disclosure, I'm a basketball coach. You know, I, I don't know that I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I just landed my first head coaching job at the high school level. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk about this a little bit from a basketball perspective, but, you know, in general, I've always really just kind of been really fascinating, fascinated with the, the coaching carousel in basketball and football for that matter. And how, you know, coaching is a different, uh, there's a fraternity of coaches that if you've ever coached, you kind of understand if you've ever been around football or basketball for a long time, you kind of understand. And, um, I, I've really just been, I, I guess, intrigued by the way coaches interact with each other, how people work their way up the ladder, different jobs, all of that stuff. Okay. So I think about coaching. I mean, it's a part of the reason that, you know, I got into coaching is because I, I found that intriguing. So, you know, I think about coaching and, you know, I, I think I have unique perspectives, um, on Brian Kelly because I am a coach myself and I don't know. So here's what I'm going to say. So Talking about college football coaches in general, all right, I think that, you know, coaches come in all shapes and sizes, and I'm not talking about 
you know, Brady Hoke <laughs> uh, versus Brian Kelly. I'm not talking about size and that type of thing, but I guess I'm talking about the way certain coaches operate. So, you know, the way I see it, there's three, but really like two types of coaches when we're talking about college football and neither of them are necessarily better. It's just that, you know, if you are one way, then you have a weakness in a different area uh, and vice versa. And then you need to complement your weaknesses in different ways. So really there are different types of coaches. There are like the strategy guys, the guys that are like, you know, in this instance, football geniuses that, uh, you know, can stand on the sideline, look at what the defense is doing, change the play so that it will work better based off of what the defense is doing. They're that type of guy. They, they know how to put players in the right position. They know how to teach the game of football. They know how to adjust to what a defense is doing. They're strategy guys. X's and O's. Here's what you do when this happens. Teachers of the game. Okay. There's also the culture guy, the guy that, um, you know, the, the rah, rah type of a guy, the guy that will make you want to run through a brick wall for him. The guy who is a father to the guys in the locker room, the guy that has high standards of accountability and all of that stuff that comes with a good program. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be one or the other. I'm saying that probably most coaches are, you know, most of them aren't exactly a perfect 50-50 in this instance. Um, some of them lean more towards the other way. Um, and really kind of, I guess, the third, but like really I'd probably lump this into culture, is the recruiting guy, the guy that just goes and, you know, can, you, you sit and he comes and he sits in your living room and he looks at your parents and he says, I'm going to take care of your son. And, you know, he recruits the right guys. He recruits talented guys. He recruits high character guys um, and all of that stuff. And really, like I say, I think that recruiting piece really kind of should get lumped under the umbrella of culture. So, you know, I mean, maybe you can think of them as three, but I'm kind of thinking them of uh, thinking of them as, as kind of two different types of guys. So in my opinion, Brian Kelly, especially at the beginning of his career and during his time, early time at Notre Dame, he was a strategy guy, number one. And, I mean, you kind of saw that. He called the plays on the sideline. He was, um, you know, when things were going wrong during four and eight, he was taking more interest in the defense. He was, he was really an X's and O's type of a guy more than he was a culture guy. Now I would contend that any coach at Notre Dame can't be without the culture characteristic. I suppose the ability to inspire and hold guys accountable and to high standards of accountability. So I'm not trying to say that Brian Kelly is this loosey goosey guy that, um, you know, allows his players to run amok. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm also not saying that he's a bad recruiter either. But I think where if you ask Brian Kelly, you know, especially, you know, before the four and 10, or I'm sorry, the four and eight season before 2016, I, I think he would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a basketball, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm starting to talk about myself here. I'm a football genius, I guess, if, if for lack of a better term. I myself kind of, you know, understand that because if you're asking me now I'm a high school coach I don't recruit uh, that would be illegal although whatever um, I, I'm more of a X's and O's guy as I am a culture guy but for me what that meant when whenever I got hired as a basketball coach well I've got to get other guys in here that uh, are going to help 
establish a culture that are going to help me hold these guys accountable. And so I think, you know, people talk about how Brian Kelly is entering year 10 and how he hasn't accomplished a lot. And if you're watching me on YouTube right now, I made the air quotes when I said a lot. And what I mean by that is that he's certainly won games. I mean, you know, another piece on Slap the Sign from a few weeks ago, you know, was written by co-site expert J.P. Scott, pointed out astutely that if Brian Kelly keeps up, you know, winning, I believe it's nine or ten games a year over the course of the, the next three years of his contract, when his contract's up, he's going to be the winningest coach at Notre Dame. And that's really what kind of sparked this debate. Like, who cares if he's the winningest coach at Notre Dame? He's never won a New Year's Six Bowl. He's never won a championship. And he's gotten blown out on the big stage. And so that's kind of where my motivation came from. And, you know, I'm revisiting it, I guess, ahead of fall camp. So anyway, Brian Kelly, strategy guy that he is, um, I, you know, I, I think what Notre Dame fans now should look at is the way that Brian Kelly has evolved during his time at Notre Dame from a strategy guy, and I still think he's a great strategy guy, however, I would say that he has really improved on his weakness as far as being a culture guy, a, a players more of a players coach than what he used to be, and more importantly, realizing that he had a weakness and bringing in such high character assistant coaches such as Brian Polian, who absolutely kills it at recruiting, such as Matt Bayless, who who kills it in the strength and conditioning program in Notre Dame, although you can almost sort of separate that a little bit because he's not a coach, he's a strength and condition guy, whatever. Bringing in guys like Lance Taylor, who has the pedigree of being a great recruiter for Stanford, recruited um, Bryce Love to Stanford, I almost said Christian McCaffrey, coached Christian McCaffrey at Stanford, didn't necessarily recruit him there, brought Bryce Love to Stanford, went to the NFL you know, has some unique perspectives. High character guy fits in perfectly at Notre Dame. He's brought in Chip Long, who, you know, 24-7 Sports named Chip Long as one of the top five recruiting assistant coaches in the country. He's brought in, um, well, he brought in Mike Elko, who obviously left after a year to go to Texas A&M because money talks. But, you know, with Mike Elko, he brought Clark Lee, who was, you know, a high character guy, linebacker coach, who's now coordinating Notre Dame's defense. And, and we're talking about all these guys that, um, and you can go on down the line, you know, Dell Alexander is another one. And, um, you know, other assistant coaches that are evading me right now because I'm on the spot and I, I can't think when the, the lights are shining brightest. But in all seriousness, he's brought in these assistant coaches. He's recognized his weakness and he's brought in assistant coaches both to help him with the strategy aspect, take some of that burden off of him so he can become a better culture guy, but also carry some of that culture burden, get, go on the road and really, you know, paint a straightforward picture for these young recruits that are coming in and it's really proved to work the last couple of years. I mean, after four and eight in 2016, he, he cleaned house. He changed. He's different. He's a delegator. He's more of a CEO, but he's a man of the people. He's more visible to his players. He had the exit interviews. He, I mean, he did all of these things that you would expect a good, co good coach to do. And when people say, well, sweet, 
you know, he's having some 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 success, but it took him eight nine years to get to that success, and he still hasn't done anything. I don't care. I don't care. I don't give. I'm not going to cuss. I don't give a diddly do about. Well, uh, he hasn't really done it. He didn't do anything good for. Okay, whatever. All he did was establish a foundation, and he did exactly what you would want a coach to do: reinvent himself. We basically got a new coach after four and eight. And I say we. I meant Notre Dame. I, I truthfully hate it when uh, people who talk about a sports team say we like I'm not part of Notre Dame football. So, you know, if I do it, it's a slip because it's the easiest pronoun to use. But anyway, Notre Dame fans, Notre Dame football got a new coach after four and eight. And and I don't care as far, as far as I'm concerned, wipe the slate clean of what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame before four and eight. And talk to me about what he's done lately, which is establish a program which is created, you know, these accountability groups that have really helped the, the leadership in the locker room and started to turn Notre Dame football into a more well-oiled machine than it was in the first part of his tenure or before he got here. I mean, I, I think a major criticism of Brian Kelly is that, you know, his teams seem to do well Every third year. I mean, his third year at Notre Dame, they went to the national championship. Then a couple, you know, mediocre years. And then, you know, you get to 2015 where, you know, they were a field goal at Stanford away from making the college football playoff. And then four and eight happened. And then, you know, the rebound was good and they went to 10 and two, beat LSU in the uh, Citrus Bowl, which was the build up to last year. And I think a lot of people are, are thinking, well, okay, well, it's year one of three again. And I don't think it is because I've said a million times to anybody who will listen on this podcast, to anybody who reads the things that I write over at slapthesign.com, who I talk to about Notre Dame football on a day-to-day basis, I've said that you know this Notre Dame football team is in a better place than it's been basically in my entire life. And I'm 28 years old. And I really started paying attention to Notre Dame football whenever I was a teenager. So we're talking like mid-2000s here. And, you know, I can't remember a well-rounded team with the depth that it has, um, the depth that Notre Dame has today. I can't remember another team like that. And you might say, okay, Ben, I mean, the depth obviously isn't that great because, you know, Julian Love went down in the Cotton Bowl and, Dante Vaughn came in and got torched a couple of times, and that was a large part of, you know, a snowball turning into an avalanche right before halftime, and, you know, Notre Dame didn't respond, and they lost the game. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that the depth is perfect everywhere, but Notre Dame is so much closer, so much better um, talent-wise, depth-wise, than they were two to three years ago, and it's not like you can change a depth issue overnight and all it's done is improve. And these people who want to say, okay, Notre Dame should just tank the season, fire Brian Kelly and, you know, move on and go get urban Meyer out of the, you know, the snake in the weeds in Columbus as I read somebody say like, that's insane. It's absolutely insane. You know, player development has been great under Brian Kelly since, you know, the last couple of years, everything is going as good as it could possibly go. 
right now, and you don't think that a new coach is going to have an impact on recruiting? You don't think that if Brian Kelly up and leaves after this year that, you know, some recruits are going to go with him? You don't think that if Notre Dame goes 0-12, some of these recruits that they've got that they're really excited about are going to be like, okay, bye. You don't think that, you know, a kid who redshirts this year as a freshman sees 0-12 and is like, holy crud, I got to get out of here. Like, I, I don't I don't know what people think when they when they make these types of statements. They're asinine. And I, I just don't know. I just don't get it, guys. So to me, you know, I, I think we're what we're gonna see this year is sustained success. And what that means in terms of wins and losses, I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame is gonna go twelve and 0, 10 and two, eleven and one, whatever. I don't think it'll be much worse than that. I think, you know, Everybody has circled the three games that are the big ones, and that's at Georgia, at Michigan, at Stanford. And, you know, that that's well and good. I don't think Notre Dame goes 0-3 in those games. Do they win all of those games? I sort of doubt it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a guy that really makes a whole lot of season predictions definitively, to be honest, um, because I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win every game, I mean, on a week-to-week basis. And it's not because I don't, acknowledge that other teams have more talent. It's not because I don't acknowledge that Notre Dame hasn't won anything. It's just that I always think that, you know, based on how I think right now, Notre Dame is better than they've been in the past. So I get calling upon the past to inform your predictions. I get that. However, I think that Notre Dame is alleviating those things. Maybe they haven't alleviated them all the way, but I guess the point in what I'm saying is that you don't just go from, you know, where you were to where you want to be over the course of one or two seasons. Sometimes it takes three, four, or five seasons to to do those types of things. There are very rare instances where a coach can, you know, whether he's a new coach or a coach inventing himself like Brian Kelly can turn things around just on a dime. It just doesn't really happen that way. So I think sus- there's going to be sustained success. I think that, you know... Notre Dame is going to win two out of three at the very least of those games. They might stub their toe somewhere else, as even good, good teams sometimes do. But I would not be surprised with a 12-0 season, and I am not would not be surprised with a 10-2 regular season where Notre Dame looks really good most of the time, and then they go on and they win a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I think that's I think winning a New Year's Six Bowl would probably be the next logical step in the progression, which would make me feel really happy about where Notre Dame is as a program because, you know, like I say, as long as the steps are moving forward, which they have been since um, since four and eight. And it really, they have been in a quicker succession than really, I, I think people could reasonably expect to be honest with you. I mean, when we were going four and eight here, I say we, again, when Notre Dame was four and eight after 2016, did anyone expect them to make it to the college football playoff two years later? In all honesty, if you did good for you, if you had hopes like I did good for you, but I wouldn't think that anyone, you know, gun to their head would, would have predicted that to be honest with you. And so the, the the steps are occurring in a logical progression, and Notre Dame's in a good place. And so I think I've rambled on long enough about this. Um, I don't know. I, in my head, kind of wanted to get on and him and haw about this a little bit more, but I'm not going to belabor the point any more than I already have. Um, the point, however, is, I mean, can we leave unnecessary criticism 
in the past? Can we move on? Can we can we talk about the last two years and you know what's gone on the last two years and, and the progress that's continued to be made? Because the ultimate goal is the same. Anybody that you know, anybody on either side of this argument wants the same thing, and that's Notre Dame to be really good. And I, I think they're moving in that direction. So I'm going to wrap it there for today. Um, the goal moving forward for, you know, the YouTube channel and, you know, the podcast, which you can find iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those places, Spotify very soon. Um, the updated version on Spotify, at least. Uh, the goal is to do some more quick hitting type of things in the very near future. So um, we're going to experiment a little bit with myself and others, hopefully, getting on and, you know, maybe doing a 10-minute spot about something that they were thinking about. Um, and so you might not hear my voice on this podcast exclusively all the time. Or maybe it's a 10-minute podcast with, you know, somebody else and myself or, or whatever. But, you know, we're going to do some more quick hitter things. Um, camp's starting, so there's going to be more to talk about. We're going to talk some basketball here soon. Um, a little hint, guys. I don't know I really like Coach Bray, by the way. I like him as a guy. I'm a little concerned about Notre Dame basketball just a little bit, but I'll talk about that on a different podcast. Um, I don't know. We're going to do some quick hitter type stuff. So don't be surprised uh, you know, to see um, you know, 10, 15-minute videos and podcasts in your, in your feed in the near future. If you haven't, go over and check out slapthestein.com. Myself and other writers do a great job covering their name football in written form over there. So make sure you check that out. Check that out. Again, that voicemail line, if you like or dislike or agree or disagree, or you want to tell me that I'm stupid, go ahead and call that voicemail line 812-624-5276. I will use your thoughts on this podcast. I absolutely am going to play every, as long as it's not some NSFW rant. All right. Um, I will play your voicemail, whether you think I'm a daggum idiot or you think I'm the smartest guy in the world, I will play your voicemail on the podcast. Same thing if you want to text that number. It'll work as well. Um, so call that. We'll play anything that we get. If we get anything on the next podcast, let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you think about what I said about Brian Kelly. Really tell me how your day's going. I, I don't care. Um, anything that you're thinking about, go ahead and call me. There it is. That's not my personal number, by the way. So all that out of the way, I think that's everything. I appreciate those of you who have stuck with us. I went on a pretty good ramble, a pretty good rant. And, uh, you know, I really did not intend on this being a 38-some minute podcast, but, you know, it ended up that way. Subscribe on YouTube, tell your friends, write reviews, do all that stuff. Help us grow this podcast. It's going to be really fun to follow along in what should be a really successful football season. So with all that said, thanks for listening. Go Irish. Go Irish.